Welcome to the EdTech God Pod, your window into the world of advertising technology and the people behind it. I'm your host, EdTech God. Welcome, EdTech enthusiasts, to another episode of the EdTech God Pod. I'm your host, EdTech God. For the new listeners joining us today, this podcast focuses on the people behind the technology, their journeys, their milestones, and their challenges a fun and personal spin on an industry that can often be overwhelming and constantly changing. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Today, we have a true legend with us on the podcast. I refer to him as the godfather of programmatic, and his impact on the industry is nothing short of legendary. His involvement with some of the most well-known names in the industry, beginning with Poindexter Systems, and our industry's darling, MediaMath. Joe's contribution to AdTech is unparalleled. Joe is currently general partner at Aperium Ventures and an advisor and board member for industry-leading companies like FXM, Mint, and many more. Joe's influence continues to shape the AdTech landscape. On today's podcast, we will also chat a bit about MediaMath's recent acquisition by Infilion and what the future holds for MediaMath and AdTech as a whole. Please join me and welcoming Joe Zawadzki. Joe, welcome to the pod. Thank you, AdTech God. I'm delighted to be here. I may not try to say AdTech God pod too often. You know, I wasn't sure what I would call it, and I figured, why not? You know, this all started for fun. I happen to love it. It's been fun. Uh, The naming of the podcast itself, obviously, um, just wanted something a little bit fun funny you know this whole thing started off as uh, as really like hey let me venture out do something a little bit different something i'm not comfortable with and it's really turned out to be uh successful and i'm, I'm very happy with where it is joe thank you again for being here I'm, I'm i appreciate your support and i appreciate you um taking some time out of your busy schedule what shall we talk about atg well let's start with the journey on every podcast i kind of go back to why or how you got into ad tech can you tell me a little bit about uh your background how you got into ad tech from the very beginning. 25 years in, the journey could, could be long, so please feel free to um, to nudge me forward. But um, like many, was a accidental marketer on a couple of fronts back in 1999. Started that aforementioned Poindexter Systems with a robust background in the space through you know two years of real estate investment banking, but uh, was a you know avid sort of Early adopter, I suppose, of you know e-commerce back in you know those days when it was um, that in and of itself was uh, quite novel. Decided with a lot of the businesses that were starting out in the West Coast that um, you know a New York-based, what really was a I guess a Martech startup, you know back then was um, the world was ready for one of those, and the business started in sort of the widgets to websites or for websites space in terms of optimizing the. Shopping and merchandising experience for some, you know, flagship brands ultimately, like the, you know, the Amexes and the Deltas and, um, you know, the like. Uh, but originally in the, you know, affiliate, you know, marketing space with a lot of the, you know, then kind of newer retailers that were, you know, didn't have a lot going on on their site, and the goal was to kind of optimize the. You know the merchandising, the shopping experience, um, which you know everybody had some perspective on because you know we were all sort of consumers, um, uh, you know, in those days, and kind of realized that the delta between the promise of e-commerce and and what the internet you know could bring, and then the you know actual reality, there was a you know sort of a big delta. And so first business started there, 
realized that the clients were basically at the time saying, listen, you're doing a great job on our website, but uh, want you to get people to my website. And if you thought my site navigation was a problem, you wouldn't believe what's going on in, in sort of my, you know, my media off my site. And so I like to say with the naivete and hubris of youth, decided to go figure out this advertising thing, um, you know, based on what uh, clients were asking for and uh, thus began a, uh, a multi-decade journey in advertising. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I think it's incredible when you, when you look back at even just what you said, right? Like how do we take our website from widgets to sites? Like we're going way back to early internet and then even just e-commerce itself, like looking at the sheer size of the e-commerce market today and the retail media networks today, like what a behemoth of an industry just on its own, excluding all other ad tech, looking at the e-commerce market itself is just enormous. Yeah. And I think the cyclicality of the space or the, you know, the same themes uh, end up needing to be, you know, sort of tackled and retackled as the, you know, market evolves here. And the fact that we're sort of back in a lot of ways to the convergence between, you know, advertising and commerce, you know, it was sort of the motive force 20 plus years ago. And then really became quite siloed, you know, in the market. And they were, you know, due to two distinct budgets, two different parts of the of the funnel, different teams working on them. And uh, you know, back to, you know, where we are in 2023, everyone's sort of appreciating we get it. Those those two things are, you know, parts of a whole and that, you know, understanding the, you know, inputs around marketing and sort of connecting it to the, you know, commerce outcomes, you know, uh, terrestrial and and e-commerce, uh, both, you know, that is sort of the, you know, the journey. And so people are now, you know, back to breaking down some of the, you know, reasonably artificial silos that were sort of developed. And um, obviously that's creating lots of opportunity, uh, retail media networks being, you know, sort of a good example, but also just a sort of discomfort of, um, you know, fragmentation and sort of re-aggregation, I think is creating a whole other sort of uh, set of challenges and opportunities for people. But maybe back to the top, perhaps, you know, sort of saw in the, you know, earliest of days that again, the sort of difference between what people said they were doing or what they could do and, you know, what was actually happening, you know, realized now it's sort of one of the big kind of motive forces uh, of like, oh, you know, why does this particular, you know, industry, you know, work this way? Why does it have those sort of idiosyncrasies? Um, you know, why doesn't it work? Like the theory of the case, you know, tends to have been what sort of keeps the, you know, one foot sort of moving in front of the other. And really, I think to the, you know, what has the last 20 years sort of been all about, you know, has largely been around, okay, you know, people appreciate that the introduction of technology and data science, um, like it, it dates me to say that, you know, what I began, a lot of people actually created that distinction that I went into marketing because I didn't like technology and I didn't like math. And then, you know, here we are now. And again, it's, uh, it's amazing just so how prevalent and how needed those um, sort of skill sets are. And, you know, once they get to be ubiquitous, you sort of you know, ask yourself, what's the, you know, sort of what are the next order problems? Um, you know, now that in fact, uh, it is everywhere. And, uh, you know, I think we're starting to find, you know, people starting to tackle the organizational, you know, challenges of, you know, of these silos, both inside their organizations. And then in terms of who they partner with, I think there's, um, you know, a lot of, you uh, appropriate work now, you know, not just skirting around the edges of kind of properly measuring and attributing, um, you know, marketing and advertising, but, you know, doing it sort of properly in a way that could actually be used to, 
move budgets um, and you know make consistent decisions across the C-suite. Just despite all the work, there's uh, a lot more you know work to do. But you know because of the success of the um, of the space. Yeah, no, I think you touched on a, on a lot. I think when we talk about the clear distinction of of budget allocation towards advertising, media, e-commerce, seeing how those you know two or even I guess if you want to label it three have converged into one key output, the market has changed a lot. The rise of the RMNs has really driven a outcome based marketing mentality from companies rather than. I guess the ad tech strategy, which was, you know, delivery, it's now become more of an outcome game. So measurement's super important there. And, and obviously, as the industry continues to change and the market continues to evolve, we start to see that outcome-based marketing directly tied to e-commerce just continues to grow. You also touched up a lot about kind of like this full circle of life. You know, I've joked about it before. Um, I think I have a Lion King meme out there somewhere, which, you know, he's holding up you know, Simba and it's the circle of life, the ad network world. And so I, th I think it's interesting to see how over the last 20 years or so, how a lot of the same trends continue to come back and forth. And we, we evolve to satisfy our marketers and satisfy outcome-based marketing. Yep. Yeah. There's um paradox and things, but there's two, um, two things that came to mind with that. You know, one is the uh, arc of time bends toward justice. I think the you know, marketing ultimately is is around that closed loop, right? Is around connecting, you know, inputs to outcomes, and the ad network model is actually, you know, uh, particularly good at doing it. And then, you know, there's the desire to sort of automate that, and you know, make it sort of enterprise and, and make it scalable and change the ownership of it and whatnot. And that, you know, again, sort of creates the sort of the infrastructure, the you know, technology need, and then you know, sufficient complexity, you know, is created with different categories and different parts that need to come together and um, you know you sort of go back to the people that are able to build package solutions and manage that complexity you know in pursuit of like a bigger idea or kind of the order of magnitude you know scale or you know sort of innovations uh, requires people to kind of get their hands dirty and sort of do it again and then you know once it's clear how it gets done and that the you know the recipe is possible then again people are like okay I want to do that myself I want to you know want to have that in software I want to have that in technology and uh, I think ultimately you have these like coming up yesterday, like I think there's a seven year macro cycle, a three year micro cycle, you know, evolution is sort of what you know, propels the the industry forward. But it does give you a lot of opportunity to kind of look back and be like, oh yeah, that, you know, that thing that, you know, we all collectively did in 2014 or in, you know, 2007, you know, great idea wasn't quite, the market wasn't quite mature enough. But if we sort of dusted that thing off and brought it back, you know, could be the perfect solution to the, to the sort of right. problem at hand. I feel that way all the time. I feel that I, I hear solutions. <laughs> I feel like I'm like deja vu. Last time it didn't work, but we didn't have the right technology or the right capabilities. And maybe this time around it's going to work because the market is ready. Joe, I, I wanted to ask you, like you've you've done so much, you've accomplished so much, obviously, in your in your lifetime and in your career. And you've gone through, you know, your your early journey with A being an investment banker, which I, I didn't even know that, by the way. I know you do that now, but didn't know that that's how you initially got into it. What are some of the major, I guess, highlights of your career? I know Media Math obviously is, is like a household name in the industry, but what are some major highlights and milestones that, that you'd like to share with everyone today throughout the last you know, 20 years? 
Here we go. Um, we're getting into it. We're, we're getting into it. Look, I, I, you know, that idea of um, having helped sort of uh, advance, uh, you know, how a industry functions and, you know, turn concepts that were not just novel, but in some cases sort of deeply resisted. I've told this story before, but it, it, it really is seared pretty indelibly in my mind. But uh, I remember one early meeting with um, Walker Jacobs, you know, then a Turner. And, you know, the conversation was around, um, you know, hey, would love the ability to, you know, score media impressions based on their, you know, predicted value to an advertiser. And we think it's crazy that, you know, we've got to buy this, you know, bushel of um, impressions and kind of hope there's enough of a, a grains in there to, you know, to warrant the, you know, the purchase. And um, wouldn't it be better if we could just score these impressions and take a look at them and uh, decide which ones are the most valuable and pay more for those and just not buy the other ones. And, you know, now super obvious stuff and, uh, and sort of the backbone for, you know, really all of the dressable across all formats. But, you know, at the time it was like, what are you talking about? You're going to, you know, cherry pick my audiences. You're going to strip mine my inventory. This makes no sense at all. Please leave. And Walker's case, actually, the technical invitation at the time, you know, made him right. There's like such breakage in sort of how to do this, you know, buy side decisioning prior to the, you know, the creation of, you know, DSPs and SSPs and real-time bidding and everything else, um, that the cost was actually higher than the, you know, the value, at least from the publisher's perspective. The fact that, again, it's sort of, you know, not just ubiquitous, but we're on sort of, you know, second and third and fourth order regulation, um, you know, sort of uh, market restructuring around the the way the industry has to work, um, you know, in a more sort of designed way as opposed to organically build one, the desire for standards and all the rest of it. I, that's yeah, you take some pride in that, take, yeah, absolutely, and being able to I mean, look and say, yeah. Um, I mean, what, what what was created was really what the backbone of our industry is today, right? I mean, when we look at where we are now, everything is a result of it. Everything is a result of the way the inventory was valued, scored, and acquired. It really has become a foundation for us. And to think that twenty years ago, this was almost like a totally new concept that people may have looked at and said, this is, uh, may not work. And you look now and how many companies are actually built upon that idea or that concept is, is incredible. Yeah. And I think, you know, I take as much pride, I suppose, in the highlights in the, how to get there, right. In that, you know, it requires a bunch of different people in a bunch of different organizations that often come in with you know, whether it's incentives or whether it's worldviews or whether it's um, sort of expectations about how their particular company works, that requires like change management. And it requires, um, you know, not just inside of one organization, but to get, you know, a, a whole bunch of companies from, you know, brands and agencies to ad tech to, you know, media owners and, you know, everybody to sort of work together toward a shared goal without being able to get necessarily everybody in a room together and say, okay, like we're all, we all work for the same firm. Let's go do X. That's hard enough in and of itself, but to get, you know, constellations of businesses, um, whose, you know, day jobs often have to change in order to do it. You have to go out there and you've got to find people that are, you know, willing to be, you know, not just entrepreneurs, but I have a lot of passion for the entrepreneur the people that are um, inside of large organizations that, you know, ultimately have to ask their peers to change. And that's sometimes a lot harder even because there's sort of, you know, antibodies against it. And to be able to kind of find this community in the early days and 
stay close to the people and bring new people into it and ultimately sort of create this um almost a, a sort of a, the change in the, in the in a profession and um all of us kind of working together towards those you know those ends and both the people that have been here for a long time but also the fact that there's like so many new and amazing people that have come into this you know industry is uh, it's just extraordinarily gratifying um and that's part, part of one of the reasons i like about the Pyrian uh, venture job to some extent is you're often just meeting with you know, young entrepreneurs that are in exactly the same place that, you know, I and we were 20 years ago, where you're looking at how a particular system works and questioning, you know, why it works that way. And what they're questioning is not, you know, the way media planning has been, you know, done in the, you know, traditional, uh, you know, linear world for 50 years, but they're looking at the stuff that we built and saying, well, why that seems weird. Had a meeting today with a company that's basically just rebuilding the ad stack in the Web3 version. And it's like, well, why are we centralizing all of this stuff? Um, you know, doesn't that uh, you know create too many, too many hops, too many middlemen, too much you know opportunity for opacity? What if we just built the distributed, you know, blockchain enabled, uh, you know, Web three ad stack? And it's like, yep, it's about time. It's about time for somebody to look at it and say, we think the whole thing should be gutted and rebuilt. And that's fun if you can, you know, if you can sort of creatively destruct. A lot of the stuff that you you know been working on and in uh, for a long time, I just find that just you know constantly sort of refreshing. I mean, there there is a lot of fun in trying to dissect something and improve it. I think you know creating something from scratch is obviously a challenge on its own, but really taking a look at something that's become a standard and then suggesting changes or improvements has got to be super challenging because the entire industry now operates in one particular way to kind of question that logic and that system and that process to try to improve it has got to be super satisfying and gratifying when 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 you look at the outcome and and the result of actually having that implemented across an industry so i mean that that's pretty amazing and and joe let me tell you i mean if there is a time for change and if there is a time to improve, it's really now. I, I feel that you may agree, you may not agree, but we have been operating in a, in a structure and in a way that has not evolved that much in the last 10 years. And now as streaming and connected TV continues to evolve, as, as like I said, retail media networks continue to grow as fast channels continue to expand, like we're seeing an entire industry turned upside down to a, I guess, mentality and, and a process that we're not necessarily used to. And so seeing the innovation and the startups that I've spoken to or even interacted with just, just through social media channels is actually a lot of fun, like seeing where they're at as a, as a four-man, five-man crew trying to build out something incredible is really fun to watch. And this rise of entrepreneurship in the space that is not built on the standard structure and processes and tech that we have is pretty cool to see. No, I'm uh, definitely preach here, ATG. I think that's I think that's right. And I think two things that I find the most interesting about this is, you know, one, sometimes just things have to get bad enough before people are willing to do the, you know, the hard work. And um, there's a lot in the today's world that you've already touched on, right? So kind of last miling into Sight, sound, and motion, sort of, you know, CTV at scale, at least in the U.S. Um, and uh, and uh, a handful of other markets. It's not uh, not quite as globally distributed as uh, I think we, you know, we think sometimes. 
uh, between TV, you know, streaming and sort of now truly omnichannel, if you sort of thought of it that way. And then, you know, the fragmentation around sort of retail media, you know, it was starting to feel concentrated in a not necessarily productive way, right? People were just, um, you know, relying on the big easy button in the same way that they did on linear TV for, you know, too long, started to rely on the big easy button of uh, we're sort of simply Google and Facebook, uh, you know, at the at least in the, you know, your first hundred million dollars of ad spend. And then, you know, the retail media opportunity sort of created open people's eyes to be like, oh boy, there's, um, you know, a whole bunch of other platforms out there that are, you know, have emerged that if you could be there first, if you could have, you know, better connection would create some, you know, wonderful opportunity. But boy, did it make the problem worse, you know, of, of again, sort of fragmentation and sort of non-standard interactions with all of those partners. And when that happens, and then it happens at the same time that you have, you know, some of the regulatory demands on a global basis um, and sort of, uh, you know, finally, you know, kind of leading with the consumer and, and sort of embracing, um, you know, doing it in, in sort of the, the the right way. If you were to shine a light on all of the, you know, decisions and the data around, um, you know, programmatic and addressable, would you be proud of it? Or, you know, kind of at the point where it's, um, you know, necessary. But when the problem gets bad enough, then people kind of return to first principles. It's like, all right, I, this is not a, you know, I'm not putting a, a coat of paint on this house. This is a gut redder. And I'm going to redesign this thing and I'm going to finally put the kitchen where I wanted it. Um, and I'm finally going to build the, you know, the, the patio in the back and, and, uh, and all the rest. And that gives people a lot of license. And it does lead to startups, you know, building new things and coming up with new solutions. But it's almost like headier to think about like the big marketing organizations and the amount of like willingness that they have to disrupt and do things. Right. The, you know, the sort of PNGs of the world are looking at it and saying, all right, let's like, let's start with us and kind of build our supply chain from the first party to the, you know, end publisher as opposed to filtering through the massive media and, and, and sort of trying to find their signal out of it. It just kind of gives people license to be, you know, bigger and bolder. And my last little rant on this one, but people who, you know, know me for more than a few years, I've been sort of the, Mary Meeker of measurement um, in the sense of like, this is the year of attribution. This is finally the year that people are going to kind of do it right. And they're going to like use their, you know, measurement and their attribution platform to actually steer their business um, and, you know, use it as a way to get everybody to agree on, you know, if we do this, then that will happen. And we all agree that we should do that. And that's been elusive in marketing as people sort of argued about what channel will have the most impact. Um, you know, do we you know, think about, um, you know, sort of incrementality. Are we, um, you know, looking at last click, like if you erase all that and you're basically like, all right, let us get really high quality, you know, uh, measured signal and then use that to inform our, our model. It got bad enough in the old version, especially with the, you know, maybe truly final, you know, cookies uh, to require people to kind of go back to first principles and be like, all right, what are we marketing in the first place? What do we know? Uh, what systems do we have to, you know, build or integrate with in order to be highly confident in our decisions? How do we, um, you know, break down those silos? If we finally get there in like 2024 and 2025, after you know 20 years of talking about it, even if only it's because we've been drag kicking, screaming to have to do it, that'll be a mind of it. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think um, you know, you. I don't think you realize this, Joe, but you you provide so much insight with so little words. I mean measurement attribution is really the core and and i've i've mentioned this before on on one of the prior podcasts like in the end like we are servicing the marketer and when we lose sight of servicing the marketer we lose sight of our 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 vision and our core 
in the end, we want brands um, to increase spend because they're seeing the outcomes that they that they want. And as we move more towards a cleaner supply path, as we move more towards providing outcome-based marketing solutes, really the the martech ad tech space starts to merge, and we're starting to see that clear divide get a little foggy, and we're seeing them join together to drive the outcomes that marketers and brands truly want. Okay, so I'm glad that we agree on everything, Joe. I feel like we usually do. I've, I've never heard anyone call me efficient with my words, so I disagree with you there. But other than that, no, yeah, you, you're pretty efficient. You know what I've noticed is that <laughs> you you have a lot of context in what you say, but I think recording a podcast is so different because I'm I'm. it's not that I don't normally pay attention. But I pay attention much more because I'm writing notes. And in a normal conversation, I wouldn't be writing notes, Joe. I would just be chatting. So that's been amazing. You know, as you take a look at industry people, what do you feel is going to be the biggest advice you can give to someone that's entering ad tech? This is a this is a tough one, actually. Um, I mean, maybe it speaks a little bit to where I think we all need some collective help and I'm not sure this has been, you know, solved yet properly at scale, but it's kind of hard to get up to speed still. Like I, I still have a number of conversations with uh, folks that are looking to enter and it's like, well, where do I start? And, you know, obviously ATG and architectural pods, obviously, you know, ad exchanger and, you know, uh, Digiday uh, reads, but it's like hard to, I think, uh, get a sense of the, you know, gestalt of the space still have been sort of a pretty intentional over the career um, of trying to make what, you know, can be a complicated and, you know, jargon filled and, you know, sort of shifting, you know, set of capabilities and, and players and brands and whatnot comprehensible to, uh, to people in a shorter amount of time, but it is still hard. I would, you know, love if there were sort of unbiased, um, you know, tried to do some of this with the IEB. The MET program was probably, you know, most successful in a lot of ways, the kind of a real rotational through uh, at least you know, a single company, but where people actually did all of the jobs and at least had sort of sympathy, you know, in terms of like what needed to happen from a, you know, client and operational and a technology and a data science perspective to then be able to come out with, you know, enough of a 360 view to be, be choiceful about you know where they wanted to go next, either inside of um, you know the company or outside, and you know doing a lot of outplacement and uh, you know other firms now that people had sort of this journey you know journey person's experience in, in sort of doing it. But there is a throttle there in terms of like how do you make it seem you know attractive and get people up to speed you know honestly, and that's a little bit where some of the uh, danger of you know one company you know providing that training is you could you kind of want the the higher order perspective um, and would love to see sort of a loom escape uh, rotational, right? You explicitly take people from, you know, advertiser to agency to, you know, platform to publisher and you almost force that rotational, um, you know, over, you know, a year and you don't think you do it in three or six months. But I think the understanding of how ability comes a law, how the supply chain works you know, your point about, you know, uh, hey, advertiser ultimately, and not necessarily, you know, true on the ground, but certainly as you move up the organization, they're trying to drive sales, right? And they're, you know, trying to move the needle on the business. And they may be talking about, 
top line revenue or market share today and might be talking about, you know, uh, brand and direct response tomorrow and maybe talking about, you know, uh, efficiency and profitability and cash flow later. But like the marketing is in service to that. And if you started there and remembered that, that would be good. And then if you could jump to the other side, like, hey, what are media owners like? What do they care about? And, you know, how do they think about their relationship with their consumer? And how do they think about the ad load? And how do they think about adding a new partner that might be not bringing sort of incremental demand, but it's, you know, pretty easy to test and, and pilot? How do we feel about that? Right. If you gave people that sort of empathy and sympathy by, you know, kind of moving around the org and doing it efficiently, there could be a lot of power there. Well, it's funny you say that, Joe. I uh, wasn't going to mention it on today's podcast at all. That is something that I'm working on. It is having oh. the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> it is something that I am working on. It is a combination of of really bringing people together to discuss their challenges, their future, and how they can work together more closely. This is not just focused on the supply side, demand side, or buy and sell side, but it goes beyond that. It is at the conceptual phase now. I think with you saying all this, it's something I'm going to move forward with. Just hearing you say that that would be so valuable, I feel that it's something that I should definitely accelerate and hopefully get something out by the time I release this podcast in, in a few weeks. But yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, edtechgod.com has a bunch of courses and classes you can take. It's all available through third parties like, you know, wonderful companies like Magnite, IAB, U of Digital. They're all listed there, maybe 15 or 20 of them that have courses for the basics. But to move beyond the basics, it's either work experience or it's mentorship, meaning somebody puts you under their wing. Companies like Ohello are doing this, but, but really it needs to be more of an industry-wide initiative. And that is something that I'm trying to kickstart. It's really difficult. Uh, it requires a bunch of time, but you know, I stay up late and I wake up early. So you know, the day's really 22 hours in my life. It's almost cliche, but I'll have to say, well, thank God. Yeah, right? It's amazing. <laughs> if, Joe, and then, you know, everybody listening, which I'm sure want to know, we, we are very familiar with Infilion. We are very familiar with MediaMath. And we know that your involvement throughout the past few months has really driven the strategy forward for what's being done. As we kind of wrap up the podcast in the next, you know, seven, eight minutes, what can you tell us about the future of Media Math in Filion and, of course, the future of ad tech, what you're seeing? Look, I'm uh, very excited that Media Math has found a new home. You know, maybe unlike you, uh, I knew parts of Infilion prior that sort of Truex and, uh, you know, Gimbal and otherwise, but um, I've got my own sort of, you know, crash course about, you know, really the kind of breadth of some of the other assets, um, you know, there and have been working to say, okay, like what, where does the platform go? But, you know, how do you um, remix a kind of modern media platform where you had the, you know, ironically, the, the license and luxury to, to have it zero based given the circumstances. And um, it's interesting. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, Rob and, Laurel and team, uh, we are ultimately the ones that are sort of um, on the hook here for delivering. Uh, but uh, um, the team at sort of Imperium and the you know aforementioned sort of Project Phoenix folks have a particular point of view um, about where the industry should go and you know where we think there's a, a super strong opportunity for 
you know, for media math and, uh, and everything else um, that, uh, that certainly Celion has, uh, has sort of assembled, um, you know, largely through, you know, M&A over, over the years. Um, and, you know, mentioned this, you know, before, but I think the verticalization of media um, is, um, is kind of just obvious, right? And I think people finally have seen it in the, you know, in, in the form of uh, retail media, but, you know, every other vertical is going to have their own instance of a set of people that kind of understand each other's KPIs that, you know, you're, you're in a B2B or you're in pharma, you're gaining entertainment, you're in politics, right? Um, each of those, uh, you know, verticals has its own idiosyncratic, um, you know, requirements and, um, you know, some companies are horizontals, right? That are capabilities that, you know, span all verticals, span all media. And I think a lot about, you know, what are the capabilities that stretch across and you think about, well, you know, creative is an obvious capability that needs to stretch across all media activation platforms, whether it's a, you know, walled garden or, you know, open web or other, you know, things like measurement attribution, um, you know, don't make any sense um, unless they span across touch points, right? It's hard to, you know, uh, understanding how to make allocations across channels, you know, requires you to have a perspective across channels. And then you have these, you know, vertical crosscuts that uh, I, I, you know, believe strongly people will start to increasingly build. You know, MediaMath platform in a lot of ways was, um, you know, perfectly suited to that um, for some sort of fundamental reasons, right? The, um, the sort of the early commitment to transparency, for example, in source and, you know, being willing to be ruthless around the sharing of uh, data and make it easy. Um, I think harder for people to kind of build their business off of a foundation that they don't trust. And, you know, transparency is a, um, at least a stepping stone to, to trust, you know, going to show you what's going on there. So I think that's, a, you know, sort of a platform a capability that was ahead of its time in a lot of ways, but now sort of perfectly suited to kind of build something durable on top of, you know, I think the enterprise controls that, you know, MediaMath had built, you know, quite, quite valuable in that where sort of power users can, you know, configure a supply chain, integrate different partners, um, you know, uh, the, you know, sort of exposing the algorithm, you know, to third parties to be able to move from sort of one size fits all, um, you know, largely BC oriented and, you know, cross vertical or not, not vertical specific, perhaps, um, into one that's sort of customized for the, you know, particular needs of a, of a, of a vertical, but, you know, the long passion for B2B. You just think about the B2B marketing problem relative to the B2C marketing problem. And, you know, B2B marketers are out there trying to reach constellations of potential buyers and influencers um, over a long period of time in order to, you know, purchase a $250,000 annual price point product. And the way you communicate with those people in an organization just looks different than, you know, trying to get somebody to, you know, buy a one and done product um, on an Instagram ad. And, uh, Plus, you know, the direct curation to the types of publishers that might have, um, you know, not been, you know, sort of appreciated in uh, kind of a one-size-fits-all kind of generic platform. You get special attention when you realize, oh, you're trying to connect to Zip Davis, um, you know, in order to reach a, you know, sophisticated CTO buyer on some of their properties. And they kind of need, um, you know, sort of different care and feeding. There's data partners like the Bomboras and the IDGs and the DMBs that you know you need in B two B. That again, if you were just kind of sorting through the unfiltered list of data providers in a um, you know sort of the average platform, they'd fall near the bottom. Um, but for B two B applications, need to bubble up and rise to the top. 
So, you know, again, I think, you know, the media platforms are long designed with some of those like enterprise needs in mind. And then the fact that, you know, sort of affiliates like, great, we, you know, we'll have the resources to put behind this. And then, you know, to the extent that the market agrees and those opportunities, in fact, unfold, then I think, you know, we're going to see lots of, um, you know, investment, you know, behind that. So, I mean, you, you touch up on like really three, three major points, right? I think transparency was one of them. So I, I think that continues to be a trend um, and, and a requirement for the market in terms of the inventory, the buying transaction data. You know, you talk about measurement, also key point for the industry, trying to drive the outcome-based marketing cross-channel or omni-channel. And you talk about controls and, and those controls with, with increased regulation, with whether B2B or B2C, controls are really important. And, and being able to provide those controls to, to buyers is also key. And, and I think just those three, I mean, shoot, if you just had two of them, it's pretty incredible. Having all three really does provide a, a, a unique position in market that many are trying to achieve and really is, is just the, the, the trend and, and the direction the industry is going in. So those three alone <laughs> are incredible. It's funny. I think the if there are any former athletes listening, um, they will either get a, a a chuckle or a um, or a sigh at the um, this sort of outcomes transparency control mantra has. And we've been sort of talking about for you know for sort of fifteen years. In a lot of ways, it's uh, they just keep plugging away and um, uh, sort of advancing it until you know those those sort of pillars or that tripod becomes obvious. But that's that's kind of what it is, right? You you need to you know, be able to connect this, you know, sea of complexity and tie it to outcomes. And those are, you know, particular business outcomes. And that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the only way you can do that is, um, you know, build on this transparency and, and then, you know, deliver the tech sort of technologies that give people the, the ability to control that and to kind of shape it uh, into, into what they need. And, um, you know, timing pressure makes diamonds. I think we're at that point now. This has been an honor to have you on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm very excited to see the new media math project Phoenix and of course, Enfilion and then to see their, their success in 2024 and beyond. That's the end of our podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm looking forward to talking to you soon. It welcomes your blessing. Thank you. ATG. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the ad tech God pod a podcast for the people about the people that make ad tech great. Stay connected with me for more insights, trends, and interviews in the realm of ad tech. Don't miss out on our latest updates. So follow me on X, Instagram, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Don't forget, ATG Slack community has insights, networking opportunities, and jobs. Keep the conversation going and stay at the forefront of ad tech innovation.